Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to beautiful Shades of Grace. We're all here for Wednesday Bible study, and we're going to honor Pastor Regina with one of her favorite hymns here as we think about Pastor Regina and begin our Bible study here at Shades of Grace. Thank you all for being here. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and for home when Jesus is my portion? My constant friend is he. For his eye is on the little sparrow. And I know that he's watching, he's watching me. And I sing because 
Lord's watching, He's watching me. He's watching me. I'm really excited to be here with you all today, and thank you so very much, each and every one of you, for coming out and uh, supporting Bible study here at Shades. Uh, do we have any prayer requests uh, as we open today? Yes. Pastor Regina. Tanya and her mother. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Special prayer in the back. Oh my. COVID's still with us. Thank you for sharing. Yes. Well, yes, America. Absolutely. Pastor Regina. Yes. Yes, Pastor Will. Other, yes. All right. Yes. Let's, let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, we're, we're not just happy, we're excited to be here in your presence today. We're so thankful for your gifts. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would reach out to each of these needs that have been mentioned. You are the great healer. You are our person, our leader, our, our spirit. You're, you're the one we look to to answer these prayers. We pray as we study about faithfulness today that we will be more faithful to you and that we will know that your prayers will be heard. Your, our prayers will be heard. Our prayers will be answered. Heavenly Father, thank you for your blessings. We are such so blessed to have Shades of Grace, Pastor Will and the staff here, and Jimmy and Steve, and we're just so thankful that we get to be here today in your presence in this beautiful place to study your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, uh, we're, we're studying, as you all will remember, from the Gospel of John, and it's, it's such exciting scripture because um, we, we, we were reading about uh, Jesus uh, encountering the woman at the well, and, and really it's the beginning of us knowing who Jesus is, she, she really was the first person to actually hear and understand and, and, and realize that this prophet was the Messiah and that uh, she, she could not only receive him but share with others. The first missionary trip is when she run, ran back to town to share the word. And um, Today, as a, as a brief introduction, what we're going to do is we're, we're going forward to the, to the invalid at the, uh, the, 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 the uh, uh, spring. It was actually called Bethesda. It was a pool of water. It was the sheep's pool at the sheep's gate at uh, Jerusalem. And um, we're, we're, we're going to read and study about the invalid and as Jesus heals the invalid, 
and tells him to take up his pallet and walk, the, the Jews attack Jesus. We're going to discover right off the bat that uh, the, the Jews want to kill Jesus, literally, because they, they feel that he is a challenge to them, and they, they do not accept him. And, uh, and then this introduction uh, about uh, the, the invalid, the pool at Bethesda, uh, this is going to allow us to then step forward, and Jesus is going to reveal who he is in more depth. He's going to tell us a lot more about who he is. So we got an introduction with the woman at the well. We're about to have a, 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 a big step forward. So um, if you have your Bibles and would turn with me, I'm going to start in the King James Version. I'm going to switch over uh, later uh, to another translation, but I'm starting with King James. Um, I'm starting uh, in chapter 5, verse 1. The Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. So there, there's this pool of water at the Sheep Gate. Now, uh, this water came from the spring of Gihon, and over historical time, there were three different channels that that water was, was uh, brought in by aqueducts into the pools as source of water for Jerusalem. Jerusalem was there because of this spring at Jehon, which is feeding the pool at Bethesda at the Sheep's Gate. Now, one of the fascinating things about this is that this pool has an intermittent flow of water. And those of you from Hawkins County are smiling because you know that at the ebbing and flowing spring in Hawkins County, the water ebbs and flows just like it did at Jerusalem at this pool. So the water ebbed and flowed, and that's why you have to be ready to step into it when the water uh, churns, because the water comes and the water goes. Down at the ebbing and flowing uh, spring in Hawkins County, there's an ebbing and flowing church, of course, the water, it's one of the few places in the world is Hawkins County and Jerusalem where, the, where there's a spring that ebbs and flows. In Hawkins County, it's every two hours and 47 minutes. And the water comes out of the ground at 34 degrees, cold water coming out of the ground because most water coming out of springs is just the temperature of the ground or the temperature of the immediate underground, which runs about 56 degrees year round. So, so we have a connection between biblical times and, and our current times of water that comes and goes. The, the water in Hawkins County is 500 gallons a minute. And if you've ever been down there, when you drive north from the Amy Mill, you actually drive through the stream. And so when, when, it's, when it's ebbing, there's a, there's a trickle and when it's flowing, you're up to your hubcaps in water down there in Hawkins County. So it, it's interesting to make this connection with a spring that has a time cycle to it. The, the other thing about uh, the, the, the word Bethesda, 
I have to confess to you, the word Bethesda has a little bit of a ring to me because uh, I volunteered during the Vietnam era and my assignment in the United States Navy was at Bethesda Naval Hospital where I treated a lot of the POWs. And um, so I, I have my own Bethesda story. The word's very special. Um, the, 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 this, uh, this pool had five porches, and in verse 3, in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. And so they waited on that stirring that we're talking about, the episodic ebbing and flowing of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in it was made whole of whatever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had infirmity 38 years. Now that's a long time, 38 years he has an infirmity. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And how often it is that Jesus asks a question. You know, one of the things about life is, is how important the questions are. Sometimes the answers change, but, but the questions are important. And Jesus asked a question, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. So for 38 years, this man has had the faith that he could be healed. He just doesn't have anybody to step him into the water at the right time when it stirs. And this faith of 38 years is an important part of what we'll get back to. What, what is our faith? What is our faithfulness? And who is faithful to us? God is faithful to us. But faith, this man's faith of 38 years, and, and we, we all think of examples of ones that we've prayed for for a long time, people that have had faith. But 38 years, he had faith. And Jesus said to him, rise, take up thy bed and walk. Again, as we were saying last week, the specifics of Scripture, the specifics of those who see things happen. John, who's, who's there as a witness and describes what happened exactly, it wasn't take up, it wasn't just, hey, buddy, get up. It's like, take up your bed. You're not only going to carry yourself, you're going to carry your bed off with you. We're not going to leave any trash laying around here. Very specific, take up your bed. That's going to have more significance in just a minute. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Here comes the trouble part, verse 10. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. 
Then they asked him, What man is that which said that to you? Take up thy bed and walk. And he said that he was healed. It was not. It was, he said that it was Jesus. Jesus had conveyed himself away and wasn't still standing there. So there's a multitude of people in the place, but Jesus had moved on. In verse 14, Afterward Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come to thee. And there, there are so many things, almost every word here is a new revelation to us. Sometimes we think that our uh, sins may not find us out on earth or that maybe we're uh, found out on judgment day. But, but it is interesting that, that Jesus is saying sin no more and that a worse thing may come. And so that's, that's a wake-up call. That's right out of Jesus' lips. That's, that's his words. A worse thing may come. In verse 15, the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. You can see trouble coming. The Jews are going to be unhappy. Therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he'd not only broken the Sabbath, but he had also said that God was his father, making him equal with God. So, so the Jews have two complaints, and, and they already want to slay Jesus. It's He's working on the Sabbath day. He told the man that he could work carrying his bedroll, and he is equating himself with our Heavenly Father. The, this um, um, uh, is, is an introduction, really, what, what, were, what, what, the, what the pool, the man at the pool, the invalid, is an introduction to how the Jews are going to treat Jesus. And I'm going to switch over to, to the message to give Jesus' reply. Um, because Jesus explains who he is and why he's here and what he's, what he's here for. And, and um, uh, this, this is Jesus' words as he explains himself from Peterson's The Message. So Jesus explained himself at length. This is, we're still in chapter 5 and verse 19 if you're following along. I'm telling you this. The son can't independently do anything, only what he sees the father doing. What the father does, the son does. The father loves the son and includes him in everything he's doing. But you haven't seen half of it yet. For the same day that the father raises the dead and creates life, so does the son. So Jesus is saying God can raise the dead. Jesus is saying he can raise the dead. The Son gives life to anyone He chooses, neither He nor the Father that shuts anyone out. We're, we've stepped immediately beyond just a message for the Jews. Jesus says anyone. It's Jesus' words. Anybody. 
the Father handed all authority to judge to the Son, and the Son would be honored equally with the Father. Anyone who dishonors the Son dishonors the Father, for it was the Father's decision to put the Son in the place of honor. Very clear description of who Jesus is, why he's here, and his authority to speak. Verse 24, it is urgent that you listen carefully to this. Urgent. Anyone here who believes what I am saying right now aligns himself with the Father, who has in fact put me in charge, has at this very moment the real lasting life and is no longer condemned to be an outsider. We get the promise of everlasting life right here in the Gospel of John. This person has taken a step from the world of the dead to the world of the living, the promise of everlasting life, who grants it, where it comes from, and it is a promise to all. He says again, it is urgent that you get this right because the time has arrived. So for many of us, we, we never know what our time frame is. The, uh, uh, you know, we, it, it's, we're told the time is here, the time is now, it's urgent. I mean right now, when dead men and women will hear the voice of the Son of God and hearing will come alive, just as the Father has life in himself, he has conferred upon the Son life in himself, and he has given him the authority, simply because he's the Son of Man, to decide and carry out these matters of judgment. Don't be surprised. The time is coming when everyone dead and buried will hear his voice. Those who have lived the right way will walk out in a resurrection of life, and those who have lived the wrong way into a resurrection of judgment. Again, very, very clear language of the promise of the eternal life, the promise of judgment to come. Jesus goes on to say, I don't do this on my own. I do this on authority. You can trust my decision. In verse 34, uh, Jesus is saying, I am speaking to you this way so that you will be saved. And he refers to John the Baptist as John was a torch, a blazing and bright light and you were glad enough to dance in his light. But the witness that really confirms me far extends beyond John's witness. It is the work the Father has given me. These very tasks I go about complimenting them, completing them, confirming that the Father is in fact the one who sent me. The Father has confirmed me. You never heard his voice, you never saw his appearance, but I am the one he sent. In uh, verse 39, you have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there. He's speaking again to the Jews, explaining why he is here and what he is all about. You miss the forest for the trees. These scriptures are all about me. And here I am standing right before you, and you aren't willing to receive me 
for the life that you want. And, and he goes on to say that you cannot expect to get anywhere with God uh, unless you are, are approaching him through Jesus. You don't think I'm going to accuse you before my father. And then he refers to Moses. Moses, in whom you put so much trust, is your accuser. If you believed, really believe what Moses said, you would believe me because he wrote of me. So, so John is documenting that Jesus is referring to Moses and those in the Old Testament who predicted the coming of a Messiah, many of the details about the coming of the Messiah. If you won't take seriously what he wrote, how can I expect you to take seriously of what I speak? The, there, the, the, the invalid at the pool of Bethesda who had that faithfulness, there's so much about faith and faithfulness that's so important. And we have examples throughout the Bible of faithfulness and we have, we're surrounded here at Shades of Grace with, with faithfulness. Faith, faithfulness of God to us, faithful of those that we see working in the trenches uh, with faith. And, 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 and there, there's, there's a lot of examples, but, but one of the examples is um, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the example of Jehoshaphat um, Je Jehoshaphat was uh, the fourth king of Israel, and um, he was surrounded by a lot of really uh, ugly neighbors who were going to take him over. And um, he, um, the, he had an army. Uh, he, he had an army of 1,160,000 but he was surrounded uh, as the fourth king of Judah, and it was about uh, 870 B.C. that uh, he was king. And he was surrounded by the Moabites and, and several others who had ganged up on him and formed a coalition, and they were going to wipe him out. And uh, in, in uh, Second Chronicles uh, 2130, there's a detailed description about what happens, but, but uh, uh, Jehoshaphat has faith, and he prays, and, and uh, he is told to take his army, a million of them and 160,000, and go face the enemy. And because of his faith, they go out early in the morning to fight what they think is going to be a battle. And all of these enemies have killed each other. The different factions that had showed up uh, to, to, uh, to, to take over uh, Judah, they all kill each other. They're all totally dead. Every single one of them is totally dead. Um, the... Um, it's, and, and again, we have lots of examples of faithfulness, but part of the problem with our faithfulness 
the man at the pool of Bethesda, the, the, the faithfulness that we have, part of it is, is, is who is it about? Are, are, are we self-centered? Are we seeking something for ourselves that maybe we shouldn't be seeking? We, we're asking for things we don't want, we, we, we shouldn't have. Are we faithful to our work for God? We're faithful to his people. We're faithful to the, the work that we should be doing. And we're encouraged and surrounded by people who uh, share faithfulness. Part, part of how we get to be faithful is who we're with. You know, birds of a feather flock together and, and uh, we, 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 we encourage one another. You, you don't really stop to think about how much a, a smile, an encouraging word, a tap on the shoulder is part of faithfulness that we encourage one another. Um, the, uh, and as we look toward faithfulness of God to us, what better example is that he sent Jesus. Jesus is our gift. Jesus was the faithfulness to us. Jesus was the promise from the Old Testament. Uh, Jesus is our gift to show us not only how we should behave and how we should love and how we should live, but um, a, a sign of the faithfulness uh, of, of God. The, um, you know, there's, there, we, we all can think of our earthly friends who have had faith um, and, and how sometimes it's a long time. We all know people that we've prayed for, uh, whether it's drugs or behavior or physical health or mental health or whatever it is. And um, it's easy to uh, fall by the wayside with prayer. It's easy to be, O oh, ye of little faith. Uh, and we have to uh, encourage one another in our faith and we have to grow our faith and when when we see a sign that faith is 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 working when we when we when we when we hear the encouraging word when we feel inspired when we hear the music that inspires us we read the the scripture that inspires us and when we see the faithful in action don't we just love to see our friends and neighbors who are faithful who are laboring away, no questions asked, uh, just working away. The, the people who uh, are doing the most work are often the ones who have the least to say about it. They're, they're not telling you what they're doing. They're too busy doing the Lord's work to, uh, to give you an explanation. The, um, when, when we see the faithful in action, of course, uh, how do we respond to that? With what eyes do we see others? What do we see when we, when we look with our eyes? And of course, Jesus saw the man at the well. He saw his faith. He saw that he had no one to help him. Um, we see people like that. We, we need to sharpen our eyes. We need to look for those who are seeking that their faith would receive some assistance, and we need to be that assistance. As, as uh, we hear quite often, the thought that 
that we might be the only person who would be in a position to uh, help someone else. That, that actually happens, whether you might be a, a friend or a minister or a teacher or a first responder, perhaps sometimes we're the only one who can respond to the faith that others have uh, that uh, uh, good things are about to happen. The, um, and you know, um, it's, I think one of the problems that we have in our lives is where, where does our faith go? How do we, how do we lose our faith? Does, what happens to faith? Well, we lose our faith through sin. We lose our faith when we become distracted. When we get off the railroad tracks, we're off the rails. We, that's what happens to our faith. The, our, we have to keep building our faith and building the faith of others because otherwise it can, can erode away from us. Um, and when we look at how can we uh, share with others how can we build faith? How can we show our own faithfulness? Sometimes it is of the simplest things. Uh, sometimes it's the encouraging word. You know, there's, there's nothing that reaches somebody like I'm praying for you. Um, I've had examples of people who uh, I'll say to them, I'm praying for you, and they think that I know what they're up to. And I don't know what they're up to. I didn't know they were drinking Saturday night or on bad behavior or whatever. It's just like, uh-oh, he's praying for me. I better shape up. Um, you know, and, and uh, so as we say, God works in strange and mysterious ways at times. Um, the, but uh, faith falls into other fruits of the Spirit. So faith ties into to gentleness, uh, we, uh, you, you know, uh, if, if we're thinking that, that our faith is important, uh, we approach uh, others with, with gentleness and kindness. And um, we, we strengthen our faith through our self-control in our, our lives. The, the man at the pool he had to have an element of self-control. He could have just given up. He could have said, well, I'm not, I'm not just going to wait around here. But, but realizing that, that we, are, we, are, we are targeted toward uh, the good, we have to have self-control to not wander off uh, with, with the wrong crowd or the wrong place. Um, faith is, is connected to love because it is as we love one another that we can share our faith with one another. Faith is connected to joy. Aren't we happy when we see the results of faith? Aren't we happy when we see good news in the lives of others? Uh, aren't we happy when we can see that uh, we made a connection in a good way we, we, we're, we're intended to live a life of joy. And, you know, there are so many people that we all know and see who have life's difficulties. And it, it is fascinating to see how many of them have joy and not only 
have joy, but share it with others. My uh, mother-in-law, Janet Brown, had a stroke five years ago, and she's paralyzed on the left side totally, has a colostomy and a lot of medical issues. She'd been teaching Sunday school for five years with a stroke and paralyzed on the left side. And she has caregivers, and most of the caregivers have uh, developed a Bible study. By hang, hanging around with her, she's, she's quoting scripture, and, 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 she's, and she tricks them. She'll say, my eyes are weak. Could you look up Luke, whatever, or whatever, you know? And she's tricking these caregivers into Bible study. Uh, it works. And, and the caregivers become more loving and kind, and um, um, it's, uh, uh, it, it's interesting to see that we are, we are really meant to live a life of joy, and it is our own mistakes that rob us of our joy. We, we rob ourselves of our joy as we have our lack of faithfulness. And the other thing that comes with our faith, uh, the, the, the man at the pool of Bethesda, his faith, he, he really, he had peace in his life. He had peace because he, his faith led him to believe that he would be healed. He's just waiting on it to happen, but he was peaceful about it. You, you couldn't be a troublemaker or uh, unhappy or angry. He, he was peaceful, we think. And uh, another fruit of the faithfulness is patience. I mean, he's waiting 38 years. Is that patience or what? It's like, yes, he had the gift of patience. The... Um, Patience is interesting. Um, some, some people have a lot of patience and some people don't have any. And it, it's, it's really interesting. The, uh, some of y'all know Terry and others will. Some of y'all know my wife Liz and, and, and folks who know both of us credit me with being a little bit patient and they, they credit my wife with being a, a, a little bit impatient. They say she's She's impatient, and I give you an example of how that worked. We were on a trip in, in uh, Rome with a family group, and we'd been warned that bands of gypsies were attacking tourists in Rome. And I'm like, I'm such a patient guy, I'm like kind of clueless anyway, you know, it's not a matter of reflexes, it's a matter of, I'm like, well, what's going on, you know? And So I looked around and here's this gypsy laying on the sidewalk and my wife had already whacked him over the head with her water bottle. And uh, she's like, she's not gonna wait around for any discussion with him. He grabbed her purse and she she gave him the old Hawkins County whack over the head. I'm looking around like, well, where did you come from? Um, So, um, uh, and, and all of these gifts that come with our faith that reassure us lead us to, to goodness. We have, we have good thoughts and, and we have good actions and we have good friends and we have good fruits. We, our faith leads us to a goodness that allows us to, to feel good, share good, be the good. Um, and as soon as we realize that letting go 
of our faith is the beginning of the loss of all of these fruits that come to us, the fruit of healing that came to the man at the pool of Bethesda. My, my earthly father used to say, if there's something that needs to be done and you're the one that's there, then you're the one that's supposed to do it. And it's interesting how often that comes up of something needs to be done, church or home or community. Who's there? Who has the opportunity? And it gets back to the idea of there's so many things that there's, there's somebody that needs encouragement, somebody who's lost or alone, people who don't feel loved, people who are disenfranchised, people of other ethnic background, race, country of origin, all those things that people feel excluded. It's just amazing how a smile, a pat on the back, uh, can be can be helpful to them, and how we 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 lift ourselves up, we 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 recharge our own faith as we encourage the faith of others, um, and uh, how important that is to all of these gifts that come with the gift of faith. So, if you face a difficult circumstance, think about the 38 years that this man waited for his faith to uh, pay off and him to be healed. And how fortunate we are that we get to study the scripture as Jesus is revealing himself. It's like we're standing right there with John. We're standing there with Jesus. We get to see exactly uh, how it was that Jesus explained himself to the Jews and how they've rejected him, of course, ultimately, even after his explanation. So um, thank you all so very much for being here with us. Uh, do you all have any comments? Can anybody add? Anybody want to tell a story of faith? Somebody got a faith story? Any, any comments at all before we adjourn? Okay. All right. Thank you. Um, so let's uh, bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that we had this opportunity to study from the Gospel of John. Thankful for Shades of Grace and the opportunity that we get to be here together to encourage one another in our faith. We're thankful for your faithfulness, Heavenly Father, to send us your Son, Jesus. We're thankful for the faith that we have received. And as we received this gift, we have an obligation to share our faith and our story and our testimony with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for being here. Everybody come back next week. We'll, uh, we'll stay with it. Thank you.